They hate the sound of my alarm clock. It's called Morning Dew. And it has a snooze button every five minutes. I hit it and I hear the same sound again. But I actually like the sound of my alarm clock. It's just, I hate the alarm clock as a concept. It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape and mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people, thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city.org. On today's episode, I thought instead of using a regular microphone, I'd try this thing that's called the Amazing Voice Amplifier. It's for children ages five and up. And um, I found it in my daughter's room. So here's a story. Um, Over the weekend, I was walking in Elysian Park with a friend of mine who's a photographer and we were carrying this house made of metal um it's like a doll house i mean it's a house that you can carry from the 1930s colonial style with a little chimney that you can take off and insert back on through these slits and we were looking for a place to put the house to take pictures of it that's another story altogether. But while we were walking with a little house, we noticed this group of climbers, like mountaineer climbers with helmets and repellers and cables. And they were pulling a horse up a hillside on a stretcher. And there were horse trailers parked in the middle of the park. I said, what is this? And so I stopped to talk to them. And they explained that they're involved in something really unusual in not just the city of Los Angeles, but basically anywhere in the country. I've never seen anything like this. I saw a horse trailer and I thought, what is this? It's pretty unique, I gotta say. But if you look down, you can see there's a a glide and um, a fake horse on it. So whenever we get a horse over a cliff or something like that. Does that happen in Los Angeles? Oh, goodness gracious, yes. We just had two rescues. Come on up. 
You should talk to these people on the team them? about what they're doing. It's pretty exciting. What is it? Well, this is the, uh, we call them our SMART team. Uh, and What's that? Tell me the new acronym. Specialized Mobile Animal Rescue Team. Yeah. So they do, they do everything that's unusual, that's that just a dangerous rescue. This is a practice exercise to pull this horse, assume that a helicopter couldn't get in or anything, to how they could pull the horse up this you know steep incline and you may have seen uh, on uh, TV not too long ago where they airlifted the horse out of Hanson Dam and they actually worked with the helicopter on that one because it was such a big horse and they couldn't get out any other way but they, they uh, get cats out 40 feet out of trees they get you know the most recent rescue I saw was a duck that was tangled up in fishing net I mean whatever it is this team uh, they're it's part of LA City Animal Services and uh, they cover the entire city how does anyone even get in touch with you if they like if I were to see an animal in distress that's caught in something and I didn't want to touch it because I thought it might bite me would I call you guys sure uh, you can do that and uh, they're stationed at the different shelters around the county, so the, I mean, excuse me, around the city. So the best thing to do is to call the city shelter closest to you, and then the officer will de- will determine based on what you say whether or not they need to call out the smart team or whether some of our regular officers can handle it. Wow, so what's the special training they're doing today? Well, they're, they're, uh, let's get them to talk about okay. the special training. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk to her about what the special training is you're doing? I think it's better for a non-expert not to answer that question. So for this, we've had several cases where horses have been down into uh, gullies or ravines, and the horse will be stuck maybe on its side. And when a horse is on its side, it has trouble getting up because it needs its leg and it needs momentum. So by using this glide, we can sometimes tip the horse onto that wrap it up in our rescue blanket and get it to a place where the horse has more room so he can get up and get going. But we're in the city of Los Angeles. Like, I wouldn't normally think that there's a horse that there, there are, gets downed in a ravine. We're, we're, in, we're in Griffith Park right here. The L.A. Equestrian Center is a few miles away, and there are hundreds of horses. There's, I think, 800 horses at the L.A. Equestrian Center, and they all come riding into Griffith Park. A bug. And a lot of houses on Riverside have horses. And then all the perimeter of the valley, there's horse properties in Chatsworth, in Granada Hills, in, in uh, Pacoima, Silmar, so everywhere. Really? Here they go. What are they going to do now? So they're working on getting the horse up using a mechanical advantage to, to give them the ability to lift up a 1,000-pound horse up a hill without any machinery. The system that they're using right now is a five-to-one system, which means that for every um, five pounds that they're pulling, they're only lifting one or pulling with one. So this horse here weighs about 400 pounds. Um, it's, a, it's an articulated horse. It's a, one that we use for training. He weighs about 400 pounds. So they're actually pulling, they're pulling about 75 pounds of pressure on that rope to be able to get it up. The disadvantage to a system like this is for every five feet you pull on that rope you only pull one foot on the system but that's that's part of the mechanical advantage the the officer in the red shirt is an rvt so if they need to do you know need medical help and and oftentimes they call out a veterinarian too he's a horseback simulando que es un caballo de caballo de verdad 
Entonces, con eso practicamos. Sí, claro, por el tamaño sí, y hace, la forma. Hace de, dos bueno. semanas hicimos exactamente lo mismo, pero con un animal de verdad. Se, se cayó en una piscina, no sé si le explicó el tipo. Ya le explicó eso, ¿no? Este me explicó que había uno que se cayó en, el, en la presa de Hansen. Este. No, no, este es un caballo que se cayó en una piscina. En una piscina que estaba vacía. Y claro, y este, este mecanismo que usted ve exactamente lo usamos para sacar ese caballo de la piscina hace dos semanas. Fue un, un rescue de verdad. ¿Y le sirve esto claro, de entrenamiento? Por eso, precisamente por eso un, un caballo, este es un, un, un maniquí que se usa para eso. Como, como si hubiera un, como decía, un paramédico que usan maniquís, exactamente lo mismo con un caballo. Do you do CPR on animals ever? Sí, sí, eso es lo que. Ese es mi trabajo prácticamente, pero entrenamos, entreno con ellos para tener, nosotros estamos entrenados para salvar a un animal, asistir a un animal o una persona. Nosotros somos uh, Swift Water Rescue Technicians. So, what do you do? Well, I do exactly what they do, we, do, we all train the same, but most of it, my job is basically to to assist the animal if it's in, in danger in its injury or if the animal is sick. So we would determine if he has to go to the shelter or we have to send it to the animal hospital. So basically, and if uh, we have uh, everything, medically speaking, just in case to assist an animal, if it needs to be uh, splinted or it has a broken leg, obviously. So you're like a paramedic exactly. for the animals basically, they find. Basically, as a paramedic, the exactly same as people. That's what we do. How That's did you learn to do that? Well, um, I went to school for that. And that's what I do in the shelter. This is our part-time, basically. Part-time now. This is, uh, we volunteer to do this. This is a different... We belong to the um, animal services, but this is beyond our, our duties on the shelters. Just in Mexico. Yo soy veterinario, soy egresado de la Facultad de Veterinaria de, de, de México. ¿De la UNAM? De la, de la, del Estado de México. ¿El Estado de, de México? Cerrillo, México. Pero tiene acento argentino. Sí, de mi padre. Sí, en todos los grandes animales, todos los horse calls que vamos, siempre tenemos un vet grande ahí. Es para la seguridad del animal y la seguridad del animal, porque ellos son los expertos en tratar con problemas médicos con los animales. Whenever we're doing this, um, we sedate the animal, and most of the time we tranquilize the animal if we're going to be strapping it down and, and pulling it up, once again for the animal's safety. Yeah, you don't want him to be trying to get up and jump around. We don't want him to be fighting, right, nervous. and it's for his safety and for ours. If he starts thrashing around, we're the ones that are going to end up taking the brunt of it um, because we're going to have to try and hold him in place to get him strapped down. So we want him out to get him into a safe spot so that then we can take him and move him into an area that's better for him. You, it sounds like you've done this before. I've been doing the large animal rescue stuff for about 18 years. The department started, uh, our original team was called DART, um, Department Air Rescue Team. We started about 18 years ago. In Los Angeles? In Los Angeles, yes. Where are you from originally? Um, actually from Los Angeles. I'm one of those rare native Californians, they're Los Angeles people. I mean, I did think, what if you're riding, mostly you shouldn't ride by yourself, I imagine, right, in ravines and um, trails, people do. People do, most of the trails that, that people ride on, there's, there's very few trails that, are, um, that aren't frequent by a lot of people. So if you're on a, a designated trail and you're out riding, you're going to see somebody anyway, and most of the designated trails are nice and wide and safe to ride on. Um, if you stay to the middle of the trail and don't try to venture to the sites. 
the problem is is people like to take off shoots and um, they seem to like to ride when the weather isn't right for it um, they'll ride right after it rains because they haven't been able to ride for a couple of days and have to get right out there and the ground isn't as solid as it could be and then the ground gives way and the horse falls and then we get called How, why did this even get started as a as a, a safety or a rescue endeavor in los angeles um the the county of los angeles has one of the highest horse populations of any county in the u.s it's huge and well the county's huge the county of los angeles is huge um Way back when, we saw a need. We saw um, the some of the other agencies trying to move the horses. Um, although they were doing the best they could with what they had, they were being moved in an unsafe manner. It wasn't um, the animals quite often got injured more from the rescue than they did from the fall that got them stuck. Uh, at the time, our uh, emergency preparedness coordinator had seen um, a rescue happen up in Northern California, and saw the um, one of the main things that we use is called an Anderson sling which is used for veterinary use and they saw them using that in a, in a rescue situation and he thought well that would be perfect for us um, since then we've got we've actually got four of those Anderson slings now different sizes so we can do everything from a pony to a, uh, a draft horse or Clydesdale in fact we did a uh, Percheron about a month ago in Hanson Dam 2200 pound horse so that's like, a, I mean, the natural areas in Los Angeles are really, I know they're really hilly and steep and canyons, and, and it's where development doesn't encroach. And so I can imagine that um, that's the reason people are riding in conditions that are, you know, potentially a little dangerous more Absolutely. than they'd like to. Absolutely. Um, if they want to get away from it all, even coming into Griffith Park, we've done numerous uh, rescues in Griffith Park and Elysian Park because people ride and the trails are, you know, they go off onto the side trails and so forth. And if the horse rolls down the hill, um, they can't get back up on their own quite often. So they call us up and we help them out. What number would people call? Um, even if they call um, 911, um, the calls get transferred. If it's animal related, they get transferred to us um, or they can call uh, the city number. There's a 818 number for the Valley, 818-756-9323, which is a 24-hour number for the Valley, and they can activate us through that number also. What's your name? Uh, my name's Hugh Briefman. What do you do? I'm an animal control officer for the city. You're really the only team of this kind in the, in the U.S.? We, there's some small teams that do disasters only, so if there was an earthquake or a tornado or a flood, they are a bunch of volunteers that would go out there and do it. But for the everyday emergency, this team is on call 24-7, uh, 365 a year, and we literally get called 24-7, 365 a year. So when we Google, we used to Google small animal rescue teams, I used to do it every week, and you'd find one or two that do it for emergency purposes, but... The lady was calling about her cat up a tree or their, an animal is stuck in a pipe or something. You know, if, if the fire department didn't go, it was kind of like, well, we can only do what we can do. Um, so we have a lot of equipment. This is like technical rescue gear for humans. We also have stuff we had to invent because it doesn't exist. The animal control uh, field doesn't, it hasn't really evolved. It's, it's kind of like you get a pole and a rope and that's it. So we've had to kind of modify or create things to get the job done. Like for example, an animal in a pipe we had to make a, a pole with a loop on it that would go like a snake because they don't exist. How does something that seem, that's so involved and just, I mean, it's clear like you all are a really cohesive team oh, yeah. and like highly trained. How does something like that become a priority in a city like Los Angeles? Like, as you said, with all these budgets being cut and everything that like there's a, 
way to make that something that needs to happen and happens. I think it was just out of necessity. Well, actually it was an accident. Annette and Smitty and Tammy are all part of the Animal Cruelty Task Force, which is another first for the nation. They work with LAPD. Um, when we first started out, the, the, there was a show they were going to film, and the general manager at the time thought, ooh, I can make some money off of this, and figured we do this off, do you know, kind of whatever uh, we call it, like MacGyver style, we just did it, winging it. So he thought, hey, if you get a team together, well, they'll film you too, and it'll be like my claim the, to, the, to the city. So they, they said, okay, get your team together, and it was all by accident. He was gone, but we actually had some um, credits to the media putting us on the TV, showing us rescue like a cat in a tree. So then they thought, what's well, a good media thing? So let's keep them around a little longer. Maybe we'll get some good PR out of it. In the meantime, we just took it and ran with it. We started training. We made up our own training. We started getting professional trained by actual like fire and mountain search and rescue organizations that taught fire and mountain search and rescue. So when Brenda Barnett came and this gentleman here, Mark Salazar, came, they saw a huge potential in not only the good PR, but the ability to say we're the only ones doing this. Why do you have a camera on your helmet? Oh, we record everything we do. The videos on the YouTube are all the rescues and trainings we've done. Well, 152 of them so far out of 400-something. And does that help you then study how it was yes. done? Yes, because what we do is we look at it and see what went right and what went wrong. And most of the time it's always went right, but what could we have changed a little bit? But then we thought, let's have some fun and put them on the YouTube with some music and make it kind of fun and you know exciting for people to watch. And people really enjoy them. Where the would they find team. those? Uh, Animal Rescue Team LA on YouTube. Okay. What's your name? Armando Navarrete. Thank you, Armando. No okay, problem. be Thank well. You. All right, yo, I'm Gali. Yo, I'm Jassy. And we're, we're Jolly. Jolly. And you're listening to Here in the City. On KPFK. Now put your hands in the sky. Because all, all I want to do is fly. Now put your hands in the sky. If all you want to do is fly. That was good. Let's do one more take. Right. Let's do one more take. All right, take three. <laughs> so happy to see you. So is Dorothy. Say hello, Dorothy. <laughs> Guess what Elmo's thinking about today? Oh, Elmo will give you a hint. Mm, la, 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 la. That's right. <laughs> I think you know that voice. Most children do. It's Elmo. He's a puppet. And now we're going to talk about a different kind of puppet. If you asked Kevin Clash, who's the creator of Elmo's personality, what his mission is, he'd probably tell you it's to make children happy. We're going to a kind of puppet show and puppeteering that has a very different sort of mission. Our arts editor, Jesse Lerner, walks down a narrow road in Chinatown through a very small space into an even more narrow alley to talk to two puppeteers, so tell me about Susan Simpson and Janie Geyser, who make their own puppets. Yes, well, hi. kind of. I'm Jesse. So, yeah, hi. Susan, nice to meet you. Likewise. Previously, Automata traveled all over the city of Los Angeles to unusual spaces to perform their puppet theater. 
in ways that expand and open up the relationship between the audience and the artist. Um, well, we're a nonprofit automata. We've been around since 2004. And um, we had a space on Sunset called the Manual Archives that mainly Susan ran for two years. And we've been looking for a more permanent, larger space to accommodate the puppet theater, experimental film, all these things in between, and uh, finally found this space here in Chinatown after much searching. And what are you presenting tonight? Tonight uh, we're presenting a, place, a play called Star, and it's part of something called the Solography Cycle, which is a series of plays about genocide, and particularly uh, America's relationship to genocide. And they're all written by Eric N. and directed by a number of different directors across the country and a couple internationally. And this one is directed by Katie Shook, who uh, has primarily been a Los Angeles artist and uh, puppet theater director. So. And it specifically addresses the race riots in Tulsa and Yeah, Central that's the context. It's a little... the play is really about the emotional aftermath and kind of a generation removed from that, but it's a lot about sort of emotional residue of, of a traumatic event of that sort. So it's sort of how that plays out in people's lives later on and a generation later. And, and, and in one life in particular, right. the main character, Crescent, who works in a coffee shop and dreams of revenge. then this is connected somehow to similar or parallel traumatic events in Central Africa and Central America? Right. E each play that Eric wrote in the series um, has a location in a sense, like Rwanda, um, Uganda, there are a lot of different sites. But again, it's about America's relationship to these events. and. Um, and so this one is related to the Tulsa riots, and there's one of the first plays in the cycle is more specifically in that time period. So I think this is one of three that's around the Tulsa race riots. So, and this one is the, late, the latest chronologically in all of them, so it's sort of the most distant aftermath of the riots. So. And the riots, from what we had learned, really... Um, were on such a massive scale, and the, while they're called riots, they were um, there's thousands of homes that were burned and hundreds of people that died, and so uh, more of more sort of an ethnic cleansing. Yeah, or. right. In our country, so I think for us, it, it was just even for us educational to learn about it through this play. So, and not that we learn about it historically through the play, but just in understanding the context. 
and told through puppets. Told through puppets, yeah. One thing to understand is that Eric's language is very poetic, for lack of a better word, maybe. Uh, it's, but it's the not plot-driven. Right. It's more kind of evoking something yeah. rather than stating it. And, it. and I think it has a little bit to do with sort of the hallucinatory, hallucinatory effect of, of trauma and genocide that relates to that kind of abstraction of thought and feeling and, and disorganization and there's a way that the puppets have that same kind of disassociated kind of um, feeling about them that actually in the end makes you feel something very intensely just by seeing disembodied and yet somehow very easy to identify with very human yeah yes. So. And, and and they're material you know that's there's something amazing about just wood and paper mache being able to in some ways embody a human more than a human uh, when you're dealing with these kind of issues. Crescent is a jazz singer. She wants to kill all white people, all white men. She is the product of rape. Product is a bad word. She says she sings smooth jazz Bars. Smooth jazz plays in the coffee shop. She is a small and elegant whale. Sleepy whale gets to breathe in the ghost ocean of ancient Kansas City. The Pacific needs to stop here. And how would you describe Automata's larger project? Um, well, our mission is sort of the creation, presentation, development of experimental puppet theater and forms that are related to this idea of artificial life and artifice and art and music and film that cross that, um, merge in that, those places. I think maybe one other thing you might have guessed from seeing <laughs> the space is it also has to do with sort of intimacy of the event and the small scale uh, just nature of things and that that also is a way of bringing people close and that's something we're interested in too is sort of that kind of event that feels very personal and intimate. So. Well, I have to apologize for doing this so guerrilla style. It's great. Right. This back alley. <laughs> right, our, our back alley yes. is also the back By the alley dumpster. of restaurant. <laughs> yes. Where uh, somebody's fishing which, for... Which we like a lot. <laughs> empty cans and... Yes. 
recyclable bottles. But and, and they're working out here too. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, hope to see you inside. Okay. Okay. I mean, if you don't mind standing, I'm sure we'll get you in. Okay. Okay. See I'm gonna you. go around front. Okay. For here in the city, this is Jesse Lerner in Chinatown. This is here in the city, and I am talking to you on the amazing voice magnifier today. We'll be back, not next week, actually. We'll be back after KPFK's mini fun drive, but you can always find us on the web at here in the city. That's H E A R in the city.org. We will have more information about Automata's upcoming performances at Chungking Court with puppetry and avant-garde experimental handmade performance on our website. I think that's it.